The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, it can be quite annoying at sometimes to, to hear people describe diabetes with like a frustrating level of simplicity and they'll make comments like, all you have to do is avoid sugar or so you just have to take one shot of insulin throughout the day. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulin podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Insulon Podcast with your host, Owen Costello, myself. I hope you're all keeping well. I'm excited about this episode because I'm in a great mood today. Well, I'm always, I'm always in a good mood most of the time, but I'm sitting in the kitchen and the sun is shining in on my face, so I'm feeling nice and warm. How are you feeling, Graham? I'm feeling good. We attempted to record this yesterday, but we had Wi-Fi issues. We thought mm. it was your end that the issue was, and there was I blaming you. I was getting you to visit every single room in your house, when actually it turned out <laughs> that it was all my fault. So I apologize for that, Owen. I'm currently in a booth in my place of work, which I've booked out. So we have the next 40 minutes to bash out an incredible podcast about diabetes, but I want to say a big thank you to Talia last week, not just for a great episode, but for defending me when you were defaming my name, Owen. <laughs> defaming yeah. me. Ah, oh, the people are sick of listening to you, Graham. <laughs> Every week you're on, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do another episode of him. So the more frequent I have, have a guest, the better. <laughs> we were just saying yesterday, messing around, and we were thinking... I was like, we had Talia from the UK, we've had an Irish guest, we've had many American guests. Could we get through every single country in the world eventually <laughs> and have a type 1 diabetic from every country in the world chatting about what it is like growing up in their country? But that's maybe for a future project. I think, yeah, that's ooh, over 200 episodes down the line. Yeah. So we can look forward to those. We get four to five years out of that, which will be all right <laughs> yeah, for the exactly. future. How has your week been anyway? Yeah, week has been good. There, there was something interesting that I was going to share with you today, Graham. So okay. as we all know, I'm big on like the impacts of, of various different factors on your blood sugar and how we can control them and how we can anticipate them to, I suppose, optimize our diabetes management. 
So I know we did an episode on stress before. So we went into a bit of detail about stress and how if you're feeling stressed or there's stressful events coming up or even stress on your body in terms of training, that can spike your blood sugar. So I was thinking, hmm, I was like, I wonder if I can put myself into a very, very stressful state and see if my blood sugar is affected, right? So, As in a state of mind. Yeah, exactly. Just sitting at my, at my desk as I am now, not overly stressed, but thinking, can I put myself <laughs> into a massively stressful situation in my own head to see if that will affect my blood sugar, right? Yeah. Because a lot of the time stress is a psychological thing and that can kickstart the response in your body biologically and that's why your blood sugar will spike. So what I did was I was I was sitting at my desk on my laptop and I was like, all right, let's see if I can do this. So I put on, you know, when you listen to music and it reminds you of a specific time in your life, right? So I put on a playlist that I used to always listen to in New York, right? Okay. So it always puts me right back in New York. And I put this on, put my headphones in, and I was thinking about being back in New York, right? And I was trying to stress myself out thinking, look, will I go back at some stage? When will I go back at some stage? Like a lot of it's so uncertain with the virus and all this kind of thing. So I was really, really, really trying to get myself stressed out, right? And I was thinking so hard. And you know, you kind of get that flush of stress over your body. So I kind of felt that coming in and I was like, holy shit, this is like, I'm actually starting to get stressed out now. So did that for like 10, 15, 20 minutes and I could feel it. And then my blood sugar spiked. My blood sugar was like flatline for the whole morning. And then I saw a spike on my Dexcom graph because I knew that I'd been stressed. Because you know when you get that, that like, oh, the kind of flush of stress over your body. And I was like, oh my God, I am like, a Shaolin monk, completely <laughs> in tune with my mind, body, and spirit. <laughs> See, this is a complete opposite of what people are saying. You need to bring calmness to yourself. <laughs> complete opposite of meditation. You've gone the other end of the spectrum. Can I sit down and stress myself out so much that my blood sugar goes through the roof? Well, this ties in nicely to what we're <laughs> going to talk about in this week's episode. And... Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Talia touch on this in last week's episode? It are the factors that affect your blood sugar level. And she said, I can't remember the number at the top of my head. It's some extreme number, the different amount of factors that actually affect it. Yeah, so it was actually Talia who kind of inspired this episode. And I sent her a message this morning just letting her know that it was her mentioning all the factors last week that kind of prompt us to do this episode. So there are 42 different factors that affect your blood sugar. Now, that is insane to even comprehend because when you're initially diagnosed, well, for me anyway, when I was in hospital, I suppose I had a good experience in terms of how the doctors and nurses were. They were all fantastic. But it's outlined to you that the three main factors that will influence your blood sugar are medication, i.e. insulin, exercise and nutrition i.e food so that's kind of like that diabetic triangle and these are the three main factors that will impact your blood sugar the most so 
commanding all three of these will obviously hugely, hugely benefit your diabetes management. But it was only like throughout my near decade of diabetes now where you study and you learn and trial and error and you realize all these different things that can affect your blood sugar. So (laughs) there are 42 proven factors that affect your blood sugar. Well, how come you aren't told this when you're diagnosed? And maybe some diabetics are told this. I can't speak for everybody. But in general, and the people that you've talked to and the people that you know, haven't been aware of this. And how come this is only a thing that you have figured out recently? I don't know. I honestly don't know, to be honest. I was on a call with a client yesterday and he was telling me how when he was in college, he was super stressed about all the work he was doing. And I think he had to do exams and stuff. So he was really stressed. So his his blood sugar was just kind of like consistently high. And when you're stressed, you become more insulin resistant. So you could be taking more insulin than you need and your blood sugar still might not be coming down. So he was thinking, what is, go- like, what is going on here? My blood sugar is just constantly high. So he contacted his hospital then and then they were like, oh, are you overly stressed? And he was like, well, yeah, I'm in my last year of college. So things are, things are, are feeling quite heavy at the moment. And they were like, oh, yeah, stress can, stress can affect you. So it was kind of like he had only realized that when he reached out to them. Now, I, you wouldn't expect, <laughs> expect him to go into the 42 different factors that affect your blood sugar. But it's so much more complicated than just a triangle of medication, exercise, nutrition. There are so many, so many, so many different things. From the outside looking in, it seems that, okay, so when you're told you're diagnosed, you obviously have to take on this information and you're a bit overwhelmed. So that I presume the doctor tries to keep it as simple as possible and put everything in its simplest form. But then as you grow older with your diabetes, then you have to try and start maybe to master it and actually get to know it and then understand the other factors. So... What are the other factors? When do they happen? I remember you did a day in the life of a diabetic on your Instagram, and then we also did it on the podcast. It's one of the early episodes. If you haven't listened, make sure to go back and listen to it. Mm. And all the decisions you have to make in a day, and it was just a boring old day. I presume those 42 factors are included in that day and all the decisions you have to make. Absolutely, yeah. So just because you touched on on the Instagram videos that I did. So I suppose a couple of months ago, I did a full day, like a diabetics day. And on average, a diabetic will have to make an additional 180 to 320 decisions every single day. Now, that sounds like a lot and it is a lot. But when you consider that there are 42 factors that affect your blood sugar, there's no surprise that we constantly are almost subconsciously making these decisions throughout the day so it can be it can be quite annoying at sometimes to to hear people describe diabetes with like a frustrating level of simplicity and they'll make comments like all you have to do is avoid sugar or just eat well and exercise or so you just have to take one shot of insulin throughout the day and when i did those diabetic like the full day of a diabetic I had a few people message me by the end of the day being like, what? I thought you just had to take one shot of insulin. And I was like, absolutely not. So we've heard about the diabetes triangle, which includes insulin, food and exercise. And they're the three main ones that you're told about. 
like in the beginning and probably throughout your life. But where do the other 42 come in? So the 42, they can be broken into six categories, which are food, medication, activity, biological, environmental, behavioral, or decision-making. So of those six categories, there are various different factors within each, all equaling to 42. So I know them all off by heart, so I can say them out to you if you want. Yeah, go for it. Let's see. I, <laughs> no, I don't, re- I don't really know them oh, all. Okay, I thought you were I, going to. Imagine, imagine you knew the 42 off by heart. No, I, I have a list here, and I, can, I suppose I can read out a few of them just so people are aware of how detailed things need to be. So like I said, the headings are food, biological, medication, activity, environmental, behavioral, and decision-making. So this will cover everything, even the the psychological aspects, I guess, too. So carbohydrate, fat, protein, caffeine, medication, dose, light exercise, high intensity and moderate exercise, time of day, food and insulin timing, frequency of glucose checks, decision-making biases, puberty, celiac disease, smoking, stress, insufficient sleep. So they are just a few. And this list just goes on and on and on and on. And you can read through these 42 different factors. And even when I, when I read through them, sometimes I'm like, holy shit, there's, like, there's, so many, there's so many different things going on in my body right now that I need to plan for. But as if each one individually wasn't complicated and difficult enough to deal with, all of these can be combined. Mm. So it's not as if, Okay, on Wednesdays, I have to look after my fat intake. On Thursdays, I have to look after my hydration. Fridays, meal timing. Every single second of every single day, there can be five or 10 of these different factors combining into like this incredibly complicated mathematical equation that you have to, in seconds, minutes, hours, days, compensate for. Give me an example of one. Right. So let's see. Let's say you have a bad night's sleep. So lack of sleep, you sleep through your your alarm, you're late for work, so you're stressed, you skip breakfast, you don't take your insulin on time, you have a coffee, so there's caffeine in there, and then you get to work and you don't know what's going on. Your blood sugar is a combination of all these various factors that have come outside of your typical routine. So number one, lack of sleep, that can increase your insulin resistance. You may need more insulin for the next day. If you don't sleep as much, you will have more food cravings, which again can lead to bad food choices the next day, which can lead to negative effects to your blood sugar. You're late for work, so you're stressed. As we know, when you're stressed, adrenaline, cortisol are increased, again, making you more insulin resistant. That urges your body to release glucose for that flight or fight response. Blood sugar will spike. If you skip breakfast, you may be hungry. Your blood sugar might go lower because you haven't had food. You take your insulin late. That can be a combination of high or low, depending on where you are after your late breakfast or you're skipping of breakfast, coffee, that's caffeine, be stressful for your body, 
and caffeine can have various effects on each person it can bring your blood sugar up or down so i'm even talking about this now and i'm even (laughs) thinking i don't know what's going on it's stressing me out because one i i hate i hate being late to places Mm. and even I remember the odd time if I say we're going to start recording at one fifteen and it's one seventeen and I'm like oh no oh no I'm late for Owen and then I call you and you go you're late <laughs> yeah but if I'm in the car and I'm late say if I slept in and I'm in the car and there's traffic and I know I'm going to be late to an appointment I get so stressed so mm. I couldn't even imagine having to on top of the stress and worried about what's going to happen when I eventually end up being late then have to think about. Right, I could be getting in trouble with my employer, but I also have to keep an eye on my blood sugar levels, whether they're going up or going down. So that actually stresses me out, even thinking mm. about that mathematical blood sugar equation. <laughs> yeah, and it's not, you know what's funny? It's like I always touch in this podcast on how, or I always emphasize the fact that you never, ever get a break from diabetes. Like it doesn't care where you are, what time it is, who you're with, what you're doing. So when you mentioned getting in trouble with your employer, imagine you rushed into work and then you're, you're stressing out and you're freaking out and you're like, oh shit, 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 I'm late for work. I need to, I need to pretend like I was here the whole time. And then you get called into the boss's office or something and they're giving you a hard time shouting at you or saying, oh, I'm disappointed, this, that, and the other. And then your blood sugar drops. You're like, oh, fuck. like now I need to treat my blood sugar while I'm getting in trouble. So like, hold on a second there, boss, and just whip out your pen. <laughs> yeah. Yourself. Like, well, now, Graham, you should know better than that. If I have a low blood sugar, I would never take it. You would take a glucose tablet. Graham, 28 episodes in and you're making those mistakes. <laughs> Apologies. Apologies. I'm getting stressed. So you're putting me under <laughs> yeah. stress and now I'm getting confused. I apologize. I apologize. And is it just physical factors that affect your blood sugar levels? Mm, The vast majority of them will be physical factors. But like I have said previously, stress and psychological factors can play a huge, huge, huge part in your overall diabetes management. But I think one one of the big things is decision making. And... I suppose everything we do in our life, diabetic or not, is based on decisions that we have made today or in the past that kind of lead you to where you are at a certain stage. And diabetes is like that where your blood sugar readings are an accumulation of technically decisions that you have made throughout the past few hours or the past few days that kind of lead to this exact moment in your blood sugar. And it's, it's weird to think of it that way, but that's the reality of it because decisions can be a decision to sleep more, a decision to eat food that, you know, is going to have a negative effect. It can be a decision to go out for a run. It can be a decision to drink water. These are all factors that can play a part in your overall diabetes management. But I suppose trying to make the right decisions based on an attempt to keep your blood sugar as stable as possible is very, very important. And obviously, when you live with type 1 diabetes, your number one priority at all times is keeping your blood sugar steady. There are no two ways about it. That's just the way it is. You have to be like that. So making the right decisions is very important. And now, look there's nobody perfect out there we there's nobody that makes 
spot on decisions all the time. But if you're making more of the right decisions than the bad decisions, that will benefit your blood sugar. That's what you aim to do. I suppose a good example of that today was, so I got up this morning and I always train in the mornings. Works best for me. Love starting the day after a bit of exercise. I feel good. And when I wake up, I don't necessarily have much insulin on board. So I can kind of see where my blood sugar is going to go. So I got up this morning. I went out to the garden and I was training with some weights because I, I wasn't near the gym. And my blood sugar stayed pretty stable. I usually get a slight spike when I resistance train, but because I woke up at kind of like four or five today, what's that in what's that in America? Suppose I suppose like eighty. I got a little spike, but it didn't go high enough for it to be considered a high blood sugar. So stayed stable with weight training. And then I was like, I want to go out for a run because I like to either go for a walk or a run after I do weight training. And when I went into the house, I checked my blood sugar and my blood sugar was like six. So it was probably about a hundred, which is perfect. That's exactly where you want it to be. But because I know that when I go out for a walk or a run, my blood sugar is always inclined to drop. So I knew that if I went out for this run, my blood sugar was going to drop. And I was thinking, right, oh, like if, if I go out for a run, my blood sugar drops and I come back to start work, it's not a good start to my day. You know, when you have a blood sugar at the start of your day, it's like, oh, you feel groggy and you feel tired and slow. So I was like, okay, my options here are to not go for a run or I can eat some carbohydrate now to bring my blood sugar up go out for the run and let the run bring it down naturally, right? Now, usually I'd go with the latter because I don't like diabetes to kind of stop me from doing anything. And it never does. But I made the decision to not go out for a run and say, no, I'll hold off and go for a walk or a run later on. So I knew that my blood sugars were going to stay stable after resistance training because I didn't have any insulin on board and I didn't see much of a spike. And I was happy enough making that decision to not go out for the walk, not go out for the run, because I knew that I'd be more productive. I'd be happier if my blood sugar is stable by just staying put, hopping in the shower and getting to work. That makes sense? Yeah. yeah. So that's why I say it's always important to anticipate rather than react. Because if I had to just kind of went out for a run, not looked at my blood sugar, not planned ahead of my day. Blood sugar would have plummeted. Would have been a crappy start today. Would have felt awful. Yeah. So it's just kind of being always clued into those decisions that you can make to, to benefit your day. So we have touched on the 42 factors that affect your blood sugar levels. But what do you think about going into depth a little bit more on those categories? Because you broke them down to food, medication, activity, biological, environmental, behavioral, and decision-making. In the next couple of weeks, we could touch on them in kind of more detail. What do you reckon about that? Yeah, definitely. That's something that I, I'd, I'd really be interested in doing because a lot of people out there don't even realize that there are 42 factors that affect your blood sugar. So if you don't realize that they exist, 
then diabetes is almost like walking through a minefield with a blindfold on because you don't know that these things are there. You don't know how to avoid them. You don't know how to plan for them. So yeah, it'd be great to go into those in a bit more detail. Perfect. That's to come in the next couple of weeks. Before we wrap up, I've seen all over your Instagram last night and this morning, you launching something new. What is it? Yeah, very, very exciting, Graham, I have to say. So I've launched an eight-week online group health and fitness program called the Fitter, Healthier, Happier Project. So this is basically built by a diabetic, me, for a diabetic, which is you. So I've built it to help create healthier routines and improve health and fitness through building muscle, losing fat, and just becoming happier, basically. As we all know, I'm a big believer in the importance of staying fit and staying active because I talk about it on here all the time. So this is something that I wanted to create to help diabetics out there work with me. It's almost like an introductory sort of personal training program. There's custom nutrition plans, workout plans, weekly check-ins, profile on my Insulone fitness app. I will send you Insulone recipe books with 85 plus low carb and high protein recipes. And most importantly, access to our private diabetic Facebook group with loads of other diabetics from all over the world. So you will be progressing and working with them over the eight weeks. So it starts on the 5th of October until the 30th of November. So also a fantastic way to lead yourself into the holiday season, feeling good and feeling healthy and happy. That's brilliant. And I have seen on your Instagram, people who are already your clients putting up on their Instagram how much you've actually helped them and how much better control they have of their blood sugar levels. So if you like the podcast and you haven't thought of something like this before, definitely at least check it out. How can you find out more about it? Yeah, so you can go directly to my website, which is insulone.com and it's under the page Fitter, Healthier, Happier. So there's loads of details in there, what's included, who it's for, why you should get involved and why you will benefit from it. So as we know, <laughs> good nutrition and good exercise routines are both irreplaceable tools towards a healthy, happy diabetic life. So if it's something you think you'd be interested in, Definitely check it out on the website or you can reach out to me through email or Instagram, but you can sign up directly through the website. So I hope to see you there. And it starts on the 5th of October to the 30th of November. If you want to email a question to the podcast, you can get it theinsulonepodcast at gmail.com. And as we always say, rate, subscribe, share the podcast. Give it a share on your social media, be it Instagram, Twitter, on Facebook, and just tag at Insulone as well. Owen will see it. He'll share on his page. We really appreciate all you listening to the podcast. Owen. Yes, we do. Graham. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Everybody else listening, have a fantastic week and I will chat to you soon. Bye. Bye.